dabba do it to you, baby. Gonna yabba dabba do you right. Gonna yabba dabba do it to you, baby. Gonna yabba dabba do you tonight. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent September 16th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Was what? What's up? How you doing? Fucking five oh seven in the a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Wearing a dress shirt. Did I just come from a banquet? <clears throat> Episode ninety two. Jonathan Ramchand the podcast and our second vodcast. Yo. So if you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramchand the podcast. I'm an actor extraordinaire. Eighteen years of service. Diploma in Theater Arts. Yeah, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about my acting these days. And for no reason, I'm not getting any work. <laughs> but I just feel more confident in it. That's the gratitude of... Uh, the gratitude that I have for my industry. And also the uh, benefit of time. And maturation. Maturity. You know? That's the blessing of it, because you come into yourself. You come into yourself, you come on yourself, you come everywhere. Did I have to get so filthy? Yes, I did. It's fucking 5 o'clock in the fucking morning, 5.08 in the morning, and I'm just grasping at straws. But you come into yourself. (laughs) It's gross. You come. Stop. Now I'm on a cum bandit. (laughs) Cum bandits? (laughs) The cum bandit struck again. <laughs> Whatever. Um, you find yourself, all right? That make you feel better? You find yourself in maturity. And <laughs> yeah, take my word for it. I've been I've matured quite a bit. And, uh, you know, feeling very good where I am in my career these days. And for no reason other than just maturity. But when I do think back onto some of my earlier escapades as an actor, you know, I, this is how I usually think back to, as an actor, and I think back to my earlier days, um, you know, I've had some pretty fetching auditions, some very interesting ones. Check this. I once auditioned for a play that was co-written and to be directed by Woody Harrelson. Ole Harrelson, Cheers, Natural Born Killers, um, The People versus Larry Flint. Yes, he played that uh, quadriplegic, pornographic, dirtbag uh, Larry Flint. Yeah. You know, fighting for freedom of expression. America, co-starring uh, Courtney Love, fresh off of her murder trial. Courtney Love, yeah. And... Uh, you know, The People versus Larry Flint. Great film. I really enjoyed it. He was nominated for an Oscar in that one. Uh, True Detective. That's like one of my top favorite uh, television programs of all time. You know? You got a fucking toot on you, Rush. What is your fucking problem, Rush? You have to admit, Ole Harrelson's got that mumbly, hick, wet, soppy, kind of gap-toothed kind of way of talking. You got a fucking toot on you, Russ. I mean, we're just trying to find a couple baby killers, couple fucking rapists, couple murderers, and you got this fucking toot on you. You're talking about planets and fucking portals of time, Russ. You're not making it any easier on yourself. Time's a flat circle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that wasn't the best impersonation, but, you know, you have to admit there's some merit to it. It sounded a little bit more like that fucking old man from fucking Family Guy, you know, that pervert, you know? Hey there, muscly arms. Why the long face? (laughs) I got some popsicles. Want me to go into the cellar and get you some popsicles? (laughs) I'll work on it. No, I won't. But anyway, you know, 
True Detective, Woody Harrelson, awesome. Uh, no Country for Old Men. He, uh, you know, he did a part in that film. Great. So yeah, man, Woody Harrelson. That's big time shit, man. He's, uh, you know, he's America's darling. People love him. And, uh, you know, he's been around for a while, just turning out great work. So I had this opportunity to audition for this play. It's real random, you know. He, he co-wrote this play and he was going to direct it. And it was going to be, uh, sh- I guess, uh, I guess, showcased at the uh, University of Toronto. This real odd opportunity that just kind of plunk fell into my lap. It was like an open audition. I'm like, whoa, damn, you know, this is a great opportunity. So, um, of course, uh, this was 2011. And uh, part of my story is I'm an alcoholic. <gasps> yeah. And today I'm sitting at uh, two years and 10 months of sobriety. But back in 2011, you know, I'm 24, 25 year old, lush, bottle baby, drunk every day, high every day. I don't know. It's just, it's just what it, it was, what it was. So, you know, I wake up on the morning of the audition and I'm hungover. I'm drunk. I don't know. It's neither here, it's neither here nor there. So, you know, I'm getting myself together. I'm just bloated, beer gut, bottle baby. And, you know, I'm stumbling my way off to this audition. And uh, just wasn't really feeling in my zone. Wasn't really feeling in the zone. Wasn't really focused. But I had a lot of experience at that time. And I guess I was just kind of really working against myself, butting heads with myself, you know? This is the benefit of hindsight, I guess, right? So this is like February, February 2011. And I'm walking down the street on the way to the audition, stumbling down the street, (laughs) smoking a cigarette, hungover. (laughs) And I'm at this intersection, and there's this old lady. She's standing on the curb. I'm an old lady, I'm an old lady, old lady. There's this big puddle, this big slushy ice puddle. Ice puddle? That doesn't really make much sense. But it was like a big slushy puddle, and it's in front of her, and her old ass can't walk across it, right? And she's just standing there. So, you know, I'm having a cigarette. Hey there, miss, you want some help? Oh, thank you, young man, thank you. So I give her my arm, right? She takes my arm and I help her across the puddle. And she goes, oh, thank you, young man. Thank you. I want to give you something. Here's $20. So she, she tries to give me $20. And I'm like, no, miss, that's fine. That's cool. And I walk off. And she's calling after me. No, no, no. Take it. Take it, please. I insist. I insist. I want you to have it. That's where I have a moral uh, qualm with myself at that moment. Because on one hand, I'm thinking to myself, yo, that's pathetic. Like, you can't be taking money from an old lady for doing her a favor. You know what I mean? That's pathetic. But on the other hand, you know, I'm a broke actor. I'm on my way to an audition, having eight, uh, drunk. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm also thinking, sadly enough, I'm also thinking like, well, if this audition goes to shit... It would be nice to get drunk today. (laughs) So I'm like, well, I can get like a fucking six pack of beer, 12 pack of beer or something, or a few beers anyway. Maybe some weed, like 20 bucks, you know. You can stretch a dollar. (laughs) When you're an alcoholic, you learn how to stretch a dollar. And, uh, well, no, you don't. You know how to spend every dime you have on booze. But um, anyways, I'm like, well, if I take this $20, I can... um, you know, get drunk if this audition goes to shit, which it more than likely will. And I'm having this fucking debate with myself, and uh, there she is insisting, No, sir, please take it. Take the $20. So I go, oh, you know what, miss? To be honest with you, I actually could use the money today, so thank you. I take the $20. That was the nail in the coffin. After I took that $20, I just felt so dirty. And I'm like, you know, my vibe for the day was just fucked. 
that I kind of knew after I took that $20, I'm like, I'm bombing. I'm going to fucking stank up this audition. I, I fucking knew it. The just the negativity. It's not even that it's negative. I don't want to be so hard on myself because number one, it's in the past. <laughs> I mean, where I am today, I'm in the position by the grace of God, sobriety, and uh, also just the maturity and the self-sufficiency that I'm not looking for compensation from a favor. I mean, you know what I mean? Like if somebody offered me $20 to help them cross the street today, I could be like, you know what? That's okay. Thank you very much. But at the time I was a washed up 25 year old alcoholic actor. So I took the $20 and you know, that's what it was. And it, it, it kind of put a real negative spin on me for the rest of the day. Because I remember I walked into the audition and I took a look at the competition. And, you know, it was shameful because it's like I saw, I saw my experience and the level that I knew, the level that I know I can perform at. I saw that, you know, I was the person for that job. I mean, that's what I say in my head. Everybody has to say that to themselves. You have to. You got to talk yourself up in life, right? You got to, you know, you got to, you know, you got to step up to the plate hoping to hit a home run. Hoping to hit a home run. You got to step up to the plate with the intention of cranking it out of the park. So there ain't nothing wrong with having that self-belief. And um, when I was looking around the room, I kind of, I saw that, okay, you're afraid. I could see the fear in this guy's eyes. You're inexperienced. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. You look confused. You, you just don't have it. Look at you. You're a fucking, come on, please. You, you're just a punk ass bitch. Like I, I looked at these people and I'm like, yo, like I could fucking run this. I'm the fucking man here. But I was just really off my game too. Bloated, hung over, drunk, high. I don't know. It was like a swirling mix of whatever the fuck it was. It was 2011. I was, you know, I was still in my fucked up place. I'm taking $20 from old women for helping them cross the street. I was just, I was a fucking disheveled mess. So it's like, I just knew. I'm like, you know what? If I was on point, I would be running this fucking room. I'd be, if I was really on my game, I know that I could take this. I could take it. I, this, It's mine for the taking. This job is mine for the taking. I knew it. But at the time, I was just, just really undisciplined, fucked up, whatever the fuck. And sure as shit. I shit that fucking audition right up. Fucking stank it up. And, um, you know, luckily Woody wasn't there. He was like, I don't know, probably off filming something cool. But he, he had his little minions there. He had his, like, crew that were, like, overseeing things. And they, you know, they took a look at me and they're like, uh, next. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I got drunk that day, which was my true goal because I was lost. As I mentioned there, I'm an alcoholic, so that was my true goal for the day, obviously, you know, you know, and, uh, but you know, it's kind of funny that the, the benefit of hindsight. So looking back 18 years in the game, um, I can say now that, you know, I've had little interesting journeys along the road as a performer, along the road as a man into manhood. And, uh, you know, it's been a blessing and I can look back and laugh. Well, let's be honest with you. I say that to look, to save face. I don't look back with any real sense of pride. <laughs> but um, I can look back and accept it. Moving forward to a brighter day. And in my career, at the moment, there's a lot of blessings. And I'm just trying to have fun with it. So there you have it. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor. And as I mentioned, I am an alcoholic. <gasps> Two years and ten months of sobriety. If you should need recovery in your life, ladies and gentlemen, please, go out and seek it. There ain't nothing wrong with it. It's a blessing. What I did was I got into a 12-step program. That's nothing official. That's nothing like you have to sign up for or give any information to. There's 12-step meetings throughout cities throughout the world. You can find a 12-step meeting pretty much anywhere. Just go online. That's what worked for me. And what you do is you meet up with these people... It's very discreet. And you practice different steps of sobriety. You can share on your experiences on alcoholism, addiction, X, Y, and Z. You can share on those 
issues in your life, then you can hear from others. And through that process, you gain a sense of community. You, 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 you get out of your isolation. I mean, a part of being an alcoholic, I'll speak mainly on alcoholism because that's what I am. Like, There's also cross-references with addiction, drugs, food addiction, sex addiction. There's all sorts of there's all sorts of different crossover, but specifically for myself as an alcoholic, um, you know, there's I don't know what I was saying there. A lot of um <laughs> pretty fitting, you know. As an alcoholic, you tend to forget things. But um basically there's um Oh yeah, you get to become a part of a community and you get to come out of your isolation because alcoholism and addictive behaviors in general, they're very isolating and they can be very antisocial. Some people call alcoholism antisocial behavior, self-centered antisocial behavior. And being a part of a community helps to really um, bring you out of that. And day by day, those days add up. And then one day you find yourself in a new day. At fucking 5.22 in the a.m. Talking about fucking Woody Harrelson and, um, you know, <laughs> Family Guy. Hey there, muscly arms. Why the long face? So, you know, you, you, you have fun <laughs> eventually when you get recovered. Recovery. And it's an ongoing process. You never, for myself, example, as an example for myself, I'm never really recovered. You never really get cured from your issues. What you do is you get um, remittance, you know, you get a daily reprieve, at least in my experience, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, it's a very blessed thing because, like, for example, I got a buddy, uh, you know, he's a dude in, this, in my neighborhood, this guy in my neighborhood. And, um, you know, he's a little older. He's like in his mid 50s. Well, I guess he's considerably older, but whatever. He's in his mid fifties. And, um, you know, me and him, him and I used to drink, we used to drink, shoot the shit, talk shit, listen to music and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I moved on from alcohol and, uh, I guess he continued on, he continues on. And I saw him the other day and he looks like dog shit. And, uh, You know, just fucking beet red face, bloated beer belly, just fucked up looking. And, you know, I, I saw him and this was like in the middle of the day. It was like three, three, four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm coming home from work and he's all like, oh, hey, Jonathan, how's it going on? You could tell he was a kind of lit up and, you know, it was just kind of a sad sight. And, you know, part of why it's so sad is because I related you know, I, I know what it's like to be just drunk in the middle of the day. As I mentioned, you know, going to an audition drunk, you know, one, of, you know, that was a great opportunity for myself. And there I am blowing it. Uh, the Woody Harrelson audition. You got a fucking toot on you, Rush. Rush. And, uh, you know, I see him and he's just all fucked up. And, you know, as an alcoholic, you have to have that humility. Well, as a human being, you should seek humility, you know, have confidence in who you are and what you do. But also, for myself, at least, I need the humility to be personable. I'm not up in an ivory tower. I'm an alcoholic, too. So I relate and I saw him and I'm just like, yeah, man, what's up? Like, how you doing? He goes, oh, yeah, you know, I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. Hey, uh, yeah, doing good. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, how you feeling these days, uh, you know? Well, yeah, you know, I'm feeling good. Okay, well, yeah, I'm feeling good. Uh, talk to you later, Jonathan. And he goes off. And as he's walking away, I notice that man has pissed himself. He's got piss running down the, the front of his pants, back of his pants. He's got piss all over himself. And, uh, you know... And again, no judgment. I pissed my pants too. That's part of being an alcoholic. You piss your pants. I remember one time I pissed my pants, right? And I'm all drunk, right? I'm like, 
I guess I pissed my pants, right? And I'm like, fuck it. I don't got time for this. I got to go to Wendy's. So I stumble into Wendy's, you know, the hamburger restaurant, right? Wendy's. And I go in there for a junior bacon cheeseburger, you know, $1.39. Even though I don't eat meat anymore. I'm a pescatarian. Well, I guess I eat like, you know, fish. But, you know, I don't eat meat, you know, like pork, pig, cow, duck, you know. You know, I don't eat any of that shit, right? So anyways, I stumble into Wendy's drunk, piss full of pants to get a fucking junior bacon cheeseburger, $1.39. And I'm standing there in the lineup, right? And this little kid, right, this little boy, he's got his fucking finger over his nose, right? He's got his finger over his nose, right? He goes, oh, mommy, mommy, that guy stinks. That guy stinks, mommy, that guy stinks. Getting told off by a fucking juvenile, you know, this fucking fucking five-year-old kid's telling me I stink. And, yo, that's just the lifestyle of an alcoholic. It just gets worse and worse and worse until you die. So, I know. Take your pick. But um, I'm just grateful today that I have recovery. And um, I like to put that message forward. It's important that I carry those, carry that message in all of my affairs. You know? So there you have it, Jonathan Ramcharan. <laughs> Who am I? Jonathan Ramcharan, alcoholic. I'm also a janitor. Yes. You know, urinals, toilets, mopping, vomit, piss stains, things like that. I push a little mop bucket, right? <laughs> push my little mop bucket and I dip the fucking mop in the mop bucket. And I mop in the floor. You know, mopping floors, piss stains, urinals, pushing a garbage trolley. You know, garbage trolleys, things like that. And, um, you know, it's about as glorious as it sounds. But what it does is it gives me an income, it keeps me focused in my recovery, it pays for my overhead, and it keeps me in the game of performing, which is the main thing. Because, um, yo, I wasn't born on third base, you know? Some people get born on third base in life and they think they hit a triple. I was born in the fucking dugout, you know? I was born in the fucking, I don't know, I was born in the bleachers, you know? Like, fuck, man, like, you know, I gotta work for shit. So um, I'm very grateful for the, uh, the opportunities that I do have because it gives me stability and it keeps me in the game of performing. Um, and that's it. That's all I want to say about that today. Um, if you hearken back to Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, episode number 91, in the introduction, I do uh, an extended bit on um, this situation that I encountered as a janitor at the office that I work at, at the building that I work at. And it's quite funny, I think. Uh, so this was the previous episode. I bitch and moan about it. and uh, But today I'm feeling very grateful. So, hey, we're just going to let it be. Jonathan Ramtran, janitor. And last of all, I am a comedian. Stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Ten years of a service. Um, ups and downs, smiles and frowns. At the moment, I'm just trying to have, um, as I spoke on, more confidence and command in what I do. Um, across the board, I feel that I have the training, I have the insight, the perseverance, the stage presence, the je ne sais quoi, the fucking magic it, whatever the fuck you want to call it. I got it. And right now, I'm looking for greener pastures. Sometimes you got to step it up a notch in your career. You just got to say no to certain things to move forward. Or, uh, yeah. So that's what I'm dealing with right now. Um, you know, the opportunities, the opportunities that are facing me, I'm not really liking. So I'm just saying no to a lot of them and trying to build my own momentum. And I'm very grateful for that. And I'm just having fun with that. And um, that's that. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor, alcoholic, janitor, stand-up comedian. So, welcome to the show. It's been a while since I did a bow. That's the fun thing about being an actor, too, when you're in a play. At the very end, you got to come out and everyone... You hold hands with your fucking cast members and you look at each other. 
and you bow? <laughs> what other career do you bow at? Well, sure, maybe as a butler. Hello, hello there, my liege. The dinner's ready. Uh, my name's Jeeves. <laughs> but bowing, yeah. Oh, yeah, and as a samurai. Samurais bow, don't they? They're about to, like, cut somebody's head off. They bow, you know? Geishas, sex slaves, they bow, right? Before they suck a dick, you know? Geishas bow. Well, who else bows? Praying mantises? Is that why they call praying mantises? They bow? Before they, you know, eat their husband alive? Isn't that what the women praying mantises do? They bow and then they eat their husband? I gotta get off this bowing thing. I'm not bowing before anybody today. It's Jonathan Ramchand on the podcast. God damn it. I know what I'm doing here. Yeah. Some things I've been dealing with lately is um, in regards to um, just overall maturity and growth. Now, maturity. I don't know why that word keeps striking up at me. Because it's not like I'm particularly immature. Well, fuck it. I'm an alcoholic. So there was definitely a part of my story that's laced with immaturity. So let's just use that word. Though I am far removed, though I feel like I have some new insights and new mental acquisitions, X, Y, and Z, like I'm moving onward in my life. But, you know, there's a few situations that leapt up at me in the last week or so. Different subject matter crossing my mind. As a comedian, we pride ourselves on being truthful. That's part of, I think, being a good person. Just be truthful. You want to exhibit truthfulness. Fucker and suffertath. You want to exhibit truthfulness in your career. Um, Let's say you're a uh, contractor. You know, you're some sort of a construction worker, contractor. If you exhibit truthfulness... I believe it will come back to you in due time. You know, you get a reputation as an honest uh, tradesperson and then people want to do business with you and then that gives you, um, you know, more clients, more contracts, more work. Um, It's just a good rule of thumb as a person, truthfulness, right? We seek truthfulness, ideally, as human beings. I'm not going to speak for you. Maybe you're a lying piece of shit, but, um, you know... Truthfulness is a good thing to seek, I think. And, you know, as a comedian, we pride ourselves on that. So that's what's kind of rubbing me the wrong way with some of the things that have been going on lately because there's also the balance of, you know, you got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up, Know when to walk away, know when to run, you know, like the gambler. Can't count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be plenty enough time for counting when the dealing's done. So, like, you got to know when to move, when not to move. And it's kind of like you got to know when to make those calls, right? And, you know, sometimes it ain't a benefit to always be truthful. I mean, it's not to lie, per se, but it's to withhold certain expressions, ideas, words, is to reserve your words for perhaps a later date, a later, a later time. So that's kind of what I'm dealing with this week in, retur- in regards to some of the things that are on my mind. Because a couple things have been occupying space in my mind this past week. And I was thinking, hey, that's good news, right? It's good news because that means I could talk about it on the podcast. But then the more they got into my head, the more it's like, you know what? These issues, these things, I really don't want to talk about. And that's odd because as a comedian, you leap. You leap at, oh, this is an interesting thing to talk about. Or that's an interesting thing to talk about. Oh, that can spur in a conversation or spur a conversation. Yeah, let's let's do it. Let's get into it, right? And... These these ideas, these these subjects that have been on my mind lately, I just don't want to talk about. And they're nothing p- 
particularly personal. Well, they are personal. I think they would spark good discussion. But it's subject matter that I've touched on before. And it's not so much that it's touchy or it's dangerous or I feel... I feel dangerous or or I feel um, like I couldn't handle discussion on these matters because it's territory that I've ventured into before. But it's it's more that I just don't feel like it, you know? And so I figured, okay, well, if that's how I'm truthfully feeling, I'm like, the truth of the matter is there's some... There's some ideas and thoughts that I've been dealing with lately that I don't really want to talk about. They're just kind of personal and kind of, I won't say negative, but they're, they're kind of a hindrance. They hinder me. You know, sometimes you got to know when to hold up and know when to fold up, know when to walk away, know when to run. You got to know when to just, that's enough thought on that. You just got to know when to put the cork in it. You know, as we say in in alcoholism, as we say in recovery, you got to know when to put the plug in the jug. You got to put the plug in the jug, buddy. Put the plug in the fucking jug. And that's sometimes the same thing with, you know, subject matter that you've been talking about and thinking about too much. Or, um, you know, yeah, avenues of thought, subject matter, beating a dead horse. (laughs) You know, like beating a dead horse. And it's like I'm putting the plug in the jug on some of these issues because sometimes, as they say in The Art of War, um, because I've read like one or two chapters of that book, it got kind of boring after a while, The Art of War. It was just too um, fucking poetic and oddball, you know, but... I should maybe come back to that book. But I did read a couple chapters. And one thing in The Art of War, Sun Tzu, they said something about um, in order to do battle, sometimes to sidestep an opponent. That was my chair squeaking, not me farting. Sometimes to like sidestep an opponent to avoid a conflict is the best offense is a good defense. So that's what I mean. Where it's like, sometimes it's just best to um, sidestep issues, not speak on it, not breathe life into it, because it just makes it stronger. To av- I don't like the word avoid, because it's not like I'm avoiding or hiding from it. It's just that I'm not giving it any credence. I'm not giving it any breath. I'm not giving it any life, basically. Because sometimes when you're dealing with things that upset you in your life, it's almost like letting the genie out of the bottle. You know? It's like um, opening a can of worms, so to speak. You've opened the can of worms before, right? Oh, the worms pop out. Boing, It's like opening a can of worms sometimes, right? And you really want to just put the plug in the jug and uh, know when to hold up and know when to fold up. So, I like the way I spun that. Hopefully, that was of interest. And, you know, I got to speak on these issues without really speaking on them. I got to get a, I, I, I got to get a little, I got a little reprieve from these issues that have been bothering me by speaking on how they bother me and how I'm trying not to let them bother me. The art of war to sidestep an issue. It's not really avoiding. Because at the end of the day, I know what I'm talking about in my head. And, you know, you don't have... That's the thing in life, too, is you don't always have to let your misery be known. <laughs> and believe me, it ain't nothing in particular. It's just, you know... It's in the realm of um, personal thought. You know? And again, granted, as a comic, I we seek truthfulness, but it's not... And in life, we seek truthfulness, like I said. As a janitor, it helps you, you know. I'm going to be honest with you. That toilet's plugged. 
And I don't know if I'm ever, ever going to be able to unplug it. So I hope you can appreciate my truthfulness and we can work together and you can learn how to take a shit somewhere else and deadly deadly does. So like, you know, truthfulness does serve a purpose. <laughs> and uh, I'm just beating myself up a little too hard because, you know, as a comic, we like to flap our jaw, flap our gums. And it's like, I know there's fodder there, but I know there's fodder. I know there's material in these issues and subjects, but at the moment, I'm just feeling like not talking about them. They're just kind of like, hmm, they feel like a hindrance, and I just want to, you know, put it on the back burner for now. So, yeah. That, I hope, that, I hope, is a little bit helpful, and, um, you know, it definitely helped me, so hopefully it can help others. Sometimes when you get when you get into that place of redundancy, that place of, um, it feels like I'm always going backwards, baby. Every part of me says, go ahead. I got myself up again. Oh no, not again. It feels like I only go backwards, darling. When you feel like you're always going backwards, it's like, what's the point of babbling about it? Right? You just got to move on. And I'm going to move on with this segment. So there you have it. Moving on. (laughs) Yeah. So that's pretty cool, you know. And that's a part of maturity is like knowing when to move on from things and, you know, change. Change your tune. You know, because, you know. The truth of the matter, too, about being a comedian is not everything I say is obviously interesting. (laughs) I mean, hopefully there was more interest in me discussing the idea of moving on or um, reserving words than the actual words would have been. Because, you know, you get into a cycle of blah, blah, blah sometimes, right? So, I don't know. But hey, it's healthy to think about and at least take accountability on. Um... What's going on in the world today? Uh, The last week or so in the news, uh, it's been pretty much... That's all, folks. Same old shit. You know, I started to realize this about nuclear weapons. Nuclear weapons. Started to realize this. You know, when I first got my real first dose of nuclear warheads, war, um, this was like uh, 2006... I had just got out of college, and I remember the big scare in the news was North Korea, Kim Jong-il, oh, he's got nuclear weapons pointed at at, uh, the continent of North America, Uh, nuclear war. And it's been the same bullshit shit with different countries, even with North Korea, and then different countries uh, throughout the last, uh, I guess you can call it, uh, 13 years. Yeah, coming up 14 years. It's been the same shit. Nuclear war, nuclear war. Now it's Iran. And, yo, I'm definitely not trying to, uh, what's the word? Uh, Well, I can't. How stupid is that to uh, discount the threat of nuclear war? But um, it's almost like beating a dead horse. And it's so confusing because it's so counter to life. When you think about it, it's such an ugly system that the world, that war spurs. Because when you think about it, what always baffled my head was, why is North Korea pushing for nuclear arms? Why is Iran pushing for nuclear arms? Why do worlds, why do nations, why does the world... Number one. And number two, why does the nation, nations, the world and the nations are all the same shit, really, but whatever. Um, Why do nations push for nuclear war? Why do nations push for nuclear arms? Why do people want nukes? It's such a stupid thing. It seems counterproductive. It seems counter to the point. We want to live. People want to live. Don't you want to live? Why, why, 
Why do you want nuclear war? Why do you want nuclear arms? And then it finally hit me. After 13 years of fear-mongering, nuclear war, it finally hit me. Why people are hell-bent on nuclear arms. Why countries are hell-bent on nuclear arms. Power. Isn't that ugly? Isn't that an ugly symptom of life that in order for nations to feel powerful or to be taken seriously, that they need nuclear arms? Because that's what's going on with Iran right now. Apparently the UN has certain sanctions on Iran and their uranium. They're not supposed to have certain levels of uranium, literally do, dum da da something along those lines. And as of late, it came up in an inspection that Iran has, what do they call, fuselages or conductors or something, whatever. They, they've been proven that, apparently, they've been proven to have these new nuclear receptors of some sort. These, these uh, I forget what they're called. Some scientist out there probably knows. You probably know. But basically, um, they have the ability now, they're getting more technology to make nuclear arms. These things that spin the uranium fuselages, conductors, whatever the fuck they're called. They're called some word, whatever. I tried looking it up. Didn't really try that hard. <laughs> but, you know, anyways, they're in, they're in the nuclear arms game. And they're not heeding any of these sanctions by the UN, apparently. And Iran's the bad guy. And fuck, what do I know? I'm a stand-up comedian, alcoholic janitor. And I don't believe anybody should have nuclear arms. It's stupid. Because what they're really just saying is, respect me. It's a plea for, it's a cry for help. Respect me. Respect me or I'll nuke you. <laughs> and it's real ugly. It's a real ugly symptom that that's how you get, that's how nations claim their place in the world. And that's how other nations keep other nations down. You know? The U.S. looks down on Iran and says, you will never rise to the level of the U.S., We're putting sanctions upon you. You cannot have any uranium. You cannot have any fuselages or conductors or orchestras or whatever the fuck those things are called. The nuclear receptors. You can never be a nuclear arms-bearing nation. Why? Because we're more powerful than you and we don't want to see you get more power. We want the respect. And Iran's like, fuck it. We want the respect. And then North Korea's like, we want respect. And Russia's like, Everybody wants respect. I'm telling you, you know. I'm telling you, that's what I'm talking about. I get no respect, you know. You know, I went to my doctor. That's another one. I said, Doc, my teeth are going yellow. He told me to wear a brown necktie. My dentist, rather. I'm telling you, my proctologist. That's another one. He used to be a photographer. He took an x-ray. He told me to bend over and say cheese. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. No respect, you know. <laughs> Everybody, man. Pardon my Rodney Dangerfield impersonation. I love that guy. One of my favorites. But that's what we're dealing with. No respect. People want respect. <laughs> my mother, that's another one, you know. She never breastfed me. She said she liked me as a friend. <laughs> Iran's mother never breastfed her. <laughs> she just liked her as a friend. Did I say that right? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not good at... Uh, well, I shouldn't be telling other people's jokes. But I like Rodney Dangerfield too much not to do an impersonation from time to time. I just love him. He's fun. But that's the deal, man. No respect. That's why people want nuclear arms. Isn't that insane? I'm going to fucking... Strike fear into your heart so you will respect me. It's fucked. Anyways, tale as old as time. And, you know, China, that's another place right now getting some attention. Um, There's a lot of protests for democracy in Beijing. 
I think Beijing was at one point a British colony, and when they got turned back over to the mainland China or something, and blah, 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 one of the stipulations was a certain level of democracy in the, I guess, what is it? I don't even really know fully, other than what I'm reading lately is Beijing, or sorry, Hong Kong, they have, because they at one point were a British colony, they have different laws that don't correlate with the mainland China. And basically mainland China is trying to impose more laws on Hong Kong, one of them being this new extradition bill. This extradition bill would allow the mainland China to extradite potential felons, criminals from Hong Kong into the mainland China for prosecution. Now, that extradition is an infringement on their democracy. They feel like, and rightfully so, that the government would abuse that power. That's roughly what I'm getting from it. I ain't no fucking anthropologist or a political science major or a pundit. I don't fucking know. Something along those lines. And, you know... It's tale as old as time to the no respect thing because people don't just hand out respect because this is something that's going on in the news in Western society. For example, I live in Canada and it's in the newspaper. Like, you know, it was in the National Post, you know, one of the most uh, credible news sources in, I guess you can call Canada, maybe the Western world. North America, one of the most credible news sources, the National Post. There was a full-page bought article on the back of like the, you know how the newspaper has different sections like news, business, sports, or whatever. On the back of the general news section in the National Post, this was like a week ago, there was a full bought and paid for print article on Stand with Hong Kong, Democracy for Hong Kong. It is in your interest as a Canadian citizen to care about the democracy that's going on in Hong Kong. It affects our economic bottom line. Democracy now for Hong Kong. Stand with Hong Kong. Why Hong Kong? Because it... Because it is of benefit to us. I'm telling you, no, sometimes I can't take it anymore, you know, I got no respect, you know, <laughs> that's Hong Kong, that's another one, I said, Doc, you know, uh, <laughs> what's that one he has, goes, uh, you know, yeah, I'm on the rice diet, you know, I keep on folding my shirts in between meals, <laughs> you know, stand with Hong Kong, you know, like, <laughs> I'm on the rice diet, like, you know, it's of our economic interest, no other reason, you know, what is the world crying out for? Democracy. Duh. Everybody wants freedom. Everybody ideally wants democracy. It makes fucking sense. Hey, you, get off my cloud. You don't know me and you don't know my style. Fuck off. Pipe down. Get the fuck out of my face. Fuck on with you. Give me some democracy. Freedom! Like that anti-Semitic... I'm like that, uh, like Mel Gibson said in... Uh, <clears throat> You know, freedom! We all want democracy, man. But, you know, why is this Hong Kong issue of any interest to us? Because it affects us. You know? That's the only reason. And, you know, you read about places all over the world that don't have democracy and no one gives a shit and nobody has a pot to piss in and dictatorial dictatorships run these fucking countries. Like, I don't really know what the whole political situation is in Brazil, but, you know, there was an issue recently when there was forest fires in the Amazon. And, you know, there was like a G7 summit, something like that. There was like this big summit where people were talking about, yo, the rainforest is the lungs of the world. It's in everybody's interest to uh, bandy up and save the rainforest. And the Brazilian president, uh, Javier, Spaniard, whatever the fuck, 
he says some dumbass bullshit and he, he's getting all personal about it and making it personal about um not accepting I don't know, he got offended by something that the French prime minister does France have a prime minister or a president? I don't know. What difference does it make? That pundit, that fucking puppet. You know, the French puppet. He said something to the fucking Brazilian puppet. And they're all getting angry at each other. And it's just like, you know, the self-interest. You know, it's like Brazil wasn't going to accept the UN donation to combat the forest fires because of... It's like, yo, dude, you're out of your fucking gourd, buddy. It's not about you. But that's what it becomes, isn't it? It's never really about us, but it becomes about us. Is my point. You know? Oh, I'm not going to accept your donations because you insulted Brazil. and Fuck off, man. We're talking about the planet. It's not about you. Democracy for Hong Kong. Oh, no, no, no. It's not about you, but that's the reason why you care, because it is about you. It's going to affect your economy. My point being, we live in a very cynical world. And it gets me scratching my head. Very cynical. And, you know, I believe, and the definition of cynicism is the belief that people are motivated by self-interest. And, um, you know, that's what I see. That's what I see everywhere I look. Oh, they want nuclear arms because they have their self-interest in mind. They want to rise up and be a part of the world and a power force in the world. And people are self-interested and they want to, you know, that's how we keep each other up and down through war. Self-interest. You know, there's no interest you know, there's no interest other than economy and control. You know, democracy for Hong Kong, like as if Canada gives a fuck about Hong Kong. It's about the economic interest, as if the United States gives a fuck about the Hong Kong. It's about the economic interest. Oh, we're fighting for your democracy. We don't give a shit. You know, what the fuck do we care about their democracy? It's about our economy. Self-interest. And... Like, for example, one of the things that was going on with Canada recently was we had illegally shipped something like 72 construction trailers. 72, you know, those long, um, like, I guess, like a, uh, like a, um, a freight trailer, like a train trailer, like a, think about like a, a long container, like a train container or like a, uh, or like a U-Haul, not a U-Haul, but like a, you know, like a, a freight transport trailer. We, we, we shipped something like 72 trailers full of trash to the Philippines illegally. And when I say we, it wasn't particularly us, the Canadian people. It was a company that had a contract that illegally shipped these containers to the Philippines. It was a Canadian company. It was kind of on our head because it made international news. It was an international affair. But seeing as it was money, seeing as it had nothing to do with our interest, we didn't give a fuck. We didn't give a fuck about democracy for the Philippines and, oh, we should clean up that mess. And, oh, what about their personal autonomy or their their, their nation sovereignty? What about their needs? And what about the environment? Oh, we should just step up and do the right thing. Oh, justice for the Philippines. We didn't stand up for them. We didn't give a fuck. It was only through self-interest that we acted because then they shamed us. They shamed Canada. Oh, Canada, let the whole world know on Twitter, Canada, that you have sent uh, garbage to our nation and the Philippines. The Filipino people have spoken. We will not take this anymore, Canada. We have spoken. The Filipino people have spoken. They tweeted about it and then we were shamed into action. We actually didn't give a fuck. We were shamed into action. So, you know, the whole world of international affairs, the whole idea of international affairs, because I guess the world would be international affairs, so the whole idea of international affairs is really a world of cynicism and self-interest. It's hard to stomach. But, um, hey, 
food for thought. Um, what else here? Oh, yeah, on a happier note, I went to TIFF. TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival. Now, um, what a great opportunity, what a great experience. You know, these are the things I try to focus on when, you know, I'm contemplating world affairs. I'm contemplating cynicism, where I fit into the world, where do we fit into the world, how do you fit into the world, when I'm contemplating those things. Or when I'm contemplating, um, you know, channels of thought, energy, you know, which are important things to think about. Your time, your energy is a channel of uh, thought, more or less, isn't it? Your time and your energy, it's a channel that you tune in, tune out of, right? Do you tune into this channel or do you turn tune out of this channel? You know, your thoughts. And like I mentioned there, like, some of the bullshit that I was thinking about that I didn't want to be thinking about or dealing with, and even that sounds wrong. It's more so that I just, I didn't want to go down that road. So when I'm thinking about things that I don't want to be thinking about, when I'm looking at a cynical world, it's always a blessing to just chill back and do something fun. So that's what I did. I went to TIFF this past weekend. And what a great experience. Toronto International Film Festival. Films from all around the world. I went and I saw this one. Uh, this I went to see the shorts. And um, I'm going to be honest with you. It was a great learning experience as a performer because like, I got to see that there's an interest in short films. There was some good work there. Some of it was just straight up pompous and disgusting. There was this one film from like Spain and it was like about like a woman's, like it was about orgasms. It was just so fucking, it was just, it was just perversity dressed up in artistry. And it was just, ugh, it was just disgusting and awkward. Some people would call that brave and, you know, uh, brave and making a statement. But I thought it was just disgusting and awkward. Because, um, like, why, yo, you might as well just watch porno. You might as well just watch pornography. Like, what the fuck are you showing me? Like, let's just call it, what is it? What it is? Am I supposed to whip my cock out and jerk off in front of the, everybody? Like, you're, this is basically pornography you're showing us. It was fucked. I didn't really enjoy that one. But, you know, it was interesting. But the main thing I took away from it was the audience. That there's an audience for short films. And, um, but some people were just, ugh, a lot of fucking whiners. A lot of bedwetters, you know? Like, uh, hey, you know, sometimes you just got a bad audience. Like, uh, as a performer. I mean, Jonathan Ramchand on the podcast. You guys are the best audience. But like sometimes as a performer, you got some shit audiences. And that's kind of what took away from my experience. There was a lot of bedwetters in the audience. This one lady, you know, everybody's getting seated before the show, right? And, you know, this one lady, uh, she's like, uh, well, I shouldn't even say lady, more like a girl. She was like, you know, she was like a university student, mid-20s, early 20s. She's there with three of her girlfriends. And she gets up and goes, oh, well, um, um, I'm going to go get a bag of popcorn. Yeah, I, I'm going to go buy a bag of popcorn for all of us to share. And then the rest of them go, oh, okay, well, no, maybe we'll pitch in. It's like, what, you want a round of applause? Wow, you sprung for a bag of popcorn. What the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, and on the other hand, too, it's like, okay, well, maybe she's a struggling university student maybe she's on a budget blah 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 but a bag of popcorn are you gonna fight and fuss and muss over a bag of popcorn like yo like and on and to her credit too maybe her friends are like that maybe she's just getting sick of friends that are like mooches maybe that's the typical motif or the opus morandi or the you know whatever the mo of these fucking friends of hers that they're always like stiffing her with the bill. But it's like, yo, like, you're going to make a big fuss and muss over a bag of popcorn? Like, think about it. How often do you buy a bag of popcorn? 
How much could it possibly cost? Eight, nine, ten dollars? You go buy a bag of popcorn. So your friends want to have a couple of free handfuls of popcorn. What are you going to charge them? You owe me 50 cents. Poke that kernel back. You know, she's like fucking fussing and mussing and going tit for tat over this bag of popcorn, exclaiming it to the people too. Like everybody could hear. Like, you know how, you know how it could be pretty quiet when people are getting seated for a film? Well, at least in Canada. I don't know about the States. But like in Canada, it's pretty damn quiet. You know, people just take their seat and, hey, hey, oh, sorry, sorry, hey, sorry. Toronto Film Festival, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, hey there, how you doing? How's it going there, bud? Sorry. So everybody's just taking their seats. Sorry. And she's going, oh, you know what? I'm going to go buy the bag of popcorn and uh, making a big scene about it. Fucking bedwetter. And this idiot. Oh, my God. And again, it's one of those things that I don't know if I want to talk about. (laughs) Because it's like what I'm trying to do is just eliminate stupidity out of my life. And this person was just... Straight up ignorant. I mean, you know, she's down there babbling. That's the first sign of when you know somebody's an idiot. When they just babble negatively in public. You know, it's a quiet movie theater. Everybody's kind of excited and, you know, getting ready for this movie. It's going to be allegedly an enjoyable experience. This lady's all like, Ah, well, I can't see over the, eh, like, eh, I can't see over the railing. I'm going to move. And she's like whining to herself. She's not talking to anybody in particular. She's just like exclaiming to the general audience. Uh, I can't see over this bar. I'm going to move. And I'm like, fuck, well, whatever. So then she gets up and she comes walking towards my aisle, right? Up towards me, right? I'm seated kind of um, further up in the auditorium. I'm like, oh, God, keep this idiot away from me. It, it's, it's fucking hilarious. That's how I know God has a sense of humor. He never really fucks with me other than to just put stupid people in my path. Like, nothing bad generally ever happens to me. But, like, he always puts, he or she or whatever, it, God, puts fucking morons in my path all the time, giving me something to complain about. She makes a beeline right for me. (laughs) Sits behind me, right? So if you've been in an auditorium, generally they're on like an incline, right? You know, kind of steep. And uh, so, you know, during the film, during the short films, I'm sitting there, I'm watching. And all of a sudden I notice some movement from the corner of my eye. And I, I look. And it's that fucking lady behind me. She's seated cross-legged. You know, she's like that. I take a look around the auditorium. Not a single fucking person is sitting cross-legged. You know how you sit in a movie theater, right? You take your seat in your chair, legs forward, and you just kind of sit there watching it. Not a single person, not one person in the fucking auditorium. There's fucking two, three, four hundred people in this auditorium. Not one motherfucker is sitting with their legs crossed. Except this fucking bonehead behind me. This fucking mumbler. She's sitting behind me, legs crossed. So because we're on an incline, she's behind me. So basically, I'm I'm seated below her. And because she's sitting cross-legged, her fucking leg is flapping in the fucking side of my face. I see her fucking ankles bouncing around in the side of my fucking face. I'm watching the film, her fucking foot in my fucking face. And I fucking knew. You know what? You gotta know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. I'm like, yo, if I turn around and say anything to her. It's just going to be a problem because she's an idiot. You know? She was mumbling beforehand like I told you. Eh, I don't want to sit here. Then she goes and moves behind me. And she's with her friend, right? Her and her friend, they're both a bunch of bozos. They're nattering at each other. They're talking like, kind of like, like, you know, not too loudly, but enough to be distracting. It's like they talked throughout the entire short film festival. They were just talking and nattering. Now her fucking foot's in my face. And not in my face enough to be like directly in my face. But it's it's almost like the point of it. The point of the matter. Like 
You know, it's like any rational person would see that, hey, your foot is a little close to that guy's head. It wasn't directly in my face, but it was it was enough to be distracting, awkward, and let's just call it rude. Don't you know how to be in public? Why are you waving your fucking foot in proximity to somebody's head? In proximity to somebody's head? Why are you being like this? But that's how she wanted to be. But I knew not to say anything. I knew better. I just kind of clammed up. Because I didn't want to put out a negative vibe. Miss, can you please move your fucking foot out of my fucking face? Next thing you know, people are hearing that. And she's ignorant. So, I'll put my foot wherever the fuck I want to put my foot. Now we're in an argument. I could just see the whole thing happening. She's an ignorant idiot. So, I just reserved. Reserved myself. Sometimes knowing how to deal with an opponent is to avoid the opponent. She's an opponent. She's an idiot. I know that to engage in her world on any level is going to be drama. She's a fucking idiot. Let it be. I just kind of put it out of my head. And, um, you know, I had a pretty good time. (laughs) For what it was. I got the guy next to me to chip in on my bag of popcorn. Hey, buddy, want to split a bag of popcorn? Fucking people these days, right? But, um, you know, it was pretty good. And I enjoyed it. And um, looking forward to um, getting more involved in things like that. Film festivals, things that are, you know, fun. You got to have fun in life. And, um, you know, count your blessings. And if you can, keep your feet out of people's faces. Duh. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent September 16th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Maturity, moving on with things, self-interest in world affairs, uh, nations seeking respect. Hey, you know, you know, Toronto International Film Festival, personal space, boundaries, things of that nature. What are your thoughts? What are your concerns? What are your queries? Hit me up jr.thepodcast at gmail.com hit me up let's have a conversation jr.thepodcast at gmail.com till next time ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for listening you live it you love it you realize it aight peace I forgot I was on camera for a moment there I was like celebrating oh I'm done I'm just like staring off blankly into space but I'm on camera Smile, you're on candid camera. Oh, that was hacky. Cheese, peace.